I'm Bug, and I'm small. And I'm Craig, and I'm tall. Welcome to Small and Tall, where two best friends explore movies, franchises, and genres that wouldn't be covered on Permanent Good. But that does not include horse movies. There will not be any horse movies on this one either. No horse movies! No horse no movies! No horse movies! No spirit! No racing stripes. No flicker. No flicker. No, flicka, no secretary. And you know what? I've, I've no Braveheart either. I think Braveheart is close enough to a horse movie. No Braveheart either. Oh God. No horse movies. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I before we get into the rom coms, this episode is a rom com episode, and before we get into the meat of it, I would just like to apologize to the audience because I feel like it's this is going to be kind of an awkward episode. Because Bug and I are kind of fighting right now, and some of that might be taken out on the audience, and for that I apologize. Boy. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, why are Craig and Bug fighting? Well, it's because we've been playing Yahtzee for (laughs) a little bit of time. And Bug has beaten me three times in a row. And the last time we played, which was last night, they beat me by one point. Tell him what I did the time before that. (laughs) I don't want to talk about it. I beat him with the double Yahtzee. Like, huh. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. When we played the last game, I'm like, I already had the intro decided. Like, it'd be funny if I brought up that, you know, they were beating me in Yahtzee and like, it'd be funny. And so I'm like, you know, maybe I'll throw this game just to make it three and it would be funnier. But then I'm like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to, my pride cannot take this hit. So I'm like, I'm going to win. I am going to win this game of Yahtzee. And it was looking my direction it was. for a very, for most of the game. But then, you know, the way the points come out, it was like, all right, we were one. It was one point to bug. And it was like down to who scores the most on the four times tile. And both of us got zero. (laughs) And I'm so frustrated. I feel like on your end, it looks like I rigged it. But I'm just as shocked as you are. I literally thought the game was going to you last night. I had given up. I was like, oh, my winning streak is over. Craig's got this one. No, I was shocked. So check out next month when we turn into an exclusive Yahtzee podcast. (laughs) And so that'll be our updates. You'll get monthly Yahtzee updates where I just get progressively angrier and angrier because I probably still haven't won a game. Good luck. Anyway, Craig, you wake up one day and suddenly you're 17 years older than you are right now. What's the first thing you do? Drugs. <laughs> Gregory. Okay, sorry, 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 sorry. You're right, you're right. Okay, so 17 older, 17 years older than now is 39. I'm probably going to check my 401k. Yeah, that's the first thing you're doing. I mean, what I mean, my life probably wouldn't is like I don't know what else is different. Like, well, it could be anything. You could have a family by then. You could have a big job by then. You wake up in a place you've never been before. First thing I'm doing is freaking out and probably crying. And then <laughs> trying to regain my bearings. Oh, yeah. The first thing I'm doing is probably calling you. <laughs> what if like, what, what if the number doesn't connect anymore? I would, what if we're no longer friends? Crying. That's when I'm crying. Like, I would probably... In this order, I would probably call you, then I would call Alex, then I would call my parents. Parents, third on the list. Sorry. Sorry, Craig's parents. 
17 years in the future, you gotta, you know, got, I, I have to grasp straws <laughs> where I think they'll be. I think the first thing I'm doing is calling my mom, and then you. Yeah, so I'm, that's fair. I'm calling my mom first. All this to say, the first movie we watched was 13 Going on 30. Jennifer Garner, Mark Ruffalo, um, Judy Greer. Greer? Greer. Greer? What's her name? Greer. Greer. Um, I think. Yeah, Hold Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jennifer Garner plays a 13 year old soul in a 30 year old body. Um, the movie starts out. We have what I'm going to be on two very good child actors. Oh my um, gosh! I re- I really liked the kid who played young Jenna, and uh, they're having a 13th birthday party, and she really wants to be a part of this high school or of the of the middle school popular girls named the Six Chicks, and she invites them all over. She's going to have a big party, but they show up, make fun of her, make fun of her best friend Maddie. Uh, put her in a closet and ditch them to go find beer and start drinking at 13. And uh, as a birthday present, her friend Matt uh, gave her a dollhouse, you would, I guess. Yeah, that he made or like himself. like a playhouse. A dollhouse. That he handcrafted, yeah, and got uh, a packet of wishing powder, which, you know, the movie doesn't go much further than that. And after being embarrassed by what she thought were her friends, she's like, you know, I wish I was 30 flirty and thriving. Me too. 30 flirty and thriving. 30 flirty and thriving. And the wishing dust falls on her head. Or rather, she has the wishing dust there. And the her wish becomes true. And she wakes up as 30-year-old Jennifer Garner. Back to the um, child actors. This movie did so well at casting actors that looked similar to their older character parts. Yeah, definitely. Like, it's definitely one of the movies that did it the best. And I've thought that since, like, I watched it the first time when I was, like, I don't know, eight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I remember this being, like, the first rom-com that I actually liked. You know, I watched this. I probably watched this when I was, like, 11 or 12 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And... And going back and watching this movie, like, it's funny. It's a good movie. Like, in my head, the standard for rom-coms is, like, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days or Bride Wars. You know, kind of, mm. like, fluffy stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But this movie, I thought it was funny. These, I genuinely... This movie holds up. These are my favorite types of rom-coms. The ones that we're watching are, like, these are... Okay, these are some of my favorite rom-coms that I put on the list. I think this is... <laughs> 13 Going on 30 is the one movie that Craig put on this month's list. Pew, <laughs> <laughs> Because this is this is my type of movie right here. And can we talk about how the guys? So like the reason, the other reason Jenna wanted these girls to come to their party was because the popular guys were coming with them. But the actors for these guys looked way too old to be hanging out with these <laughs> newly thirteen-year-olds. Like they looked well into high school. I think that's bound to happen in every middle school, high school movie. You know, you're gonna have people that look too old to be. In in this age range, but how are you um, how are you but, gonna have Matt's actor look thirteen, and then these other guys who are supposed men, to be they are straight up men, like straight up look like they're adults. Yeah, and <laughs> I just think the concept of 
like a middle school mean girls click i think that's funny that's just a funny concept truly um so yeah jennifer garner turns 30 and i think that they do a very good job at making her as annoying as a 13 year old and like the innocence that comes with being a 13 year old where like you think you know stuff and then like you grow up and you're like oh i knew nothing Yeah, and, like, you see it right away when her boyfriend comes out of the bathroom and she throws the umbrella at him so she doesn't have to see his, uh... Genitalia? Oh, yeah, that too. Um, and that kind of theme continues throughout the entire movie. And it doesn't really get old. Like, there are a few points where it's like, come on, Jenna, catch on. Like, you should start catching on at some point. But overall, like, I think she does a good job at maintaining her innocence and I think the movie prevails because of that and, and it also does a good job at telling us that before she had a 13 year old soul in her body Jenna was a bad person horrible horrendous very bad person like straight up selling company secrets being mean to every like being mean to her assistant sleeping with somebody else's husband while having a boyfriend a bad boyfriend but like not not to take away from the point (laughs) but there were okay the innocence that she carries leads to a lot of secondhand embarrassment with this movie and there for most of it (laughs) yeah which is something that i have like a very hard time dealing with like there are some movies that i can just like not watch like i think there's one ryan reynolds movie that i literally cannot make it through because there's just too much secondhand embarrassment with it and with this one it keeps it pretty it's green lantern no it's not green lantern it's it was (laughs) one of his rom-coms pre-green lantern but there are two moments in this film that I had to like either look away from the screen or fast forward through. I've never fast forwarded through a scene ever. I and have this, to. Obviously, one of them is the dance scene. There's a scene where she goes to a uh, promotional event for the magazine that she works at, and everybody's leaving the party and nobody's having a fun time. So she's like, oh, I know what I'll do. She has the DJ put on Thriller and she does the Thriller dance and everybody joins in. I love that it's scene. I love that. Yeah, it's it's very cute. It's it's either cute or cringy, depending on how um, much of that, like putting yourself out there you can handle. It's very much a not realistic scenario. No one's like, ah, yes, the one girl is doing thriller. Let's all do. How much do you want to bet that most of those people didn't do the thriller dance (laughs) in 17 years? And you're like, ah, yes, let's just get 40 people that remember thriller. But that aside, it's a cute I think group dance scenes are just so classic of this style of rom-com though so like I was I'm always excited to see that but the scenes that I was I was referencing were one when they're at the bar after that scene and it's like uh lucy who's judy greer's character is like oh that dude's so trying to get with you right now and jenna like looks over her shoulder and it's like supposed to be this very older gentleman but then she goes up to this like 13 year old not even 13 year old kid and is like talking to i have to fast i've watched that i've watched it so many times but like when i watched this one at this time i had to fast forward through it and then the second scene that i had to like look away from and like was just cringing the entire time was the other dance scene in the movie 
where Jenna's boyfriend gives her the strip tease. Oh my god, yeah. Because he's trying to be all sexy and she, A, doesn't know how to pick up hints because she's 13 Mm -hmm. and B, doesn't want to have sex with a grown man because she's 13. So like, it's just one of those things where it's like, you can't communicate. She doesn't even know how to communicate. Hey, I actually don't want you to do this. And even if she did, we all know that this guy would not have taken no for an answer. Exactly. So, yeah, I understand. That scene was, ugh, yikes. Um, the, there's a scene, there's just a small little detail that I wanted to talk about that um, I think really captures her essence. And, like, it happens very early on after she turns 30 that I think does a very good job at setting up kind of what her vibe is going to be it's a very small detail but when she's in her first board meeting she she takes out her notepad and she writes her name in the top at the top of the paper Mm -hmm. like she's gonna be turning it in later and i thought that was a very cool detail to put in like this is how deep the 13 year old is in her i definitely agree and also as we discussed we would eventually get to calling each other the first thing she wants to do after she gets away from her boyfriend and Lucy is there to pick her up and she gets to work she asks her assistant to find Maddie's to find Maddie for her pretty much and when yeah. when she does they haven't talked since that day that she had her party at God, 13 which is heartbreaking it's one of those things where we as an audience we know what he's gonna say long before he says it and just like slowly watching her like come to terms with that is like it's it's kind of heartbreaking and her little panic attack where she's just like screaming that she wants a fluffy pillow that's me right now yeah yeah um <laughs> and she does a really there's a really cute scene that happens where um things don't work out with matt things aren't working out at work she's just overall overwhelmed and so she just shows up at her parents house And, like, they kind of, like, treat her like a kid again. And she gets scared at night, so she crawls into bed with them. And I'm like... It's so sweet. This is so cute. Ah. You'll always find your way back home. It was so cute. It was so cute. Um, And then we kind of get to, like the actual plot of this movie which is the magazine that she works at is having to go through a redesign because someone has been leaking company secrets it was her um, <laughs> spoiler alert <laughs> um somebody's been leaking company secrets and they have to do a redesign and she does a redesign and her friend lucy does a redesign friend yeah friend in big air quotes and at the beginning of the movie they were working on it together and then they end up doing separate presentations it's a whole thing and lucy does this like super like hot topic like like the real life is dead love is dead we're all dead and like super grungy type aesthetic and and uh jenna does this very like middle school scrapbook style aesthetic yearbook 
style where she gets and she gets yeah. Maddie to be her photographer because he's a little photographer. Yeah, it, it's very lots of just fun, light. It's such a lighthearted movie by nature, just like by the design of the premise. You know, it brings an innocence. This movie brings an innocence with it that works to its benefit almost the entirety of the movie. And the photo shoots because it like brings you through the photo shoot of Maddie and Jenna or Matt and Jenna working together and seeing them like reconnect and rebond and it feel like they hadn't not talked for 17 years and that they'd been best friends this entire time was so cute. <laughs> like I don't know it was any so other way to cute. explain it. And like and so there's this there's one scene that I think is cute but like you could argue for it being like not cute and they do a there's a scene where they're hanging out at night they're at like on the beach they're swinging on swings and they do this little contest to see who can jump the highest i don't know why you would see who could jump the highest you should see who could jump the furthest because then you could measure that it's hard to measure height when you're on a swing set and you're both jumping at the same time but that's neither here nor there the important part is they end up jumping together they kind of land together they cuddle a little bit and they kiss this is a problem because Matt is engaged and has a wedding the next day. Yeah, not the next day, but a couple days later. <sighs> and I'm like one of those things. I'm one of those people like, it's a rom-com. Right. I know they're going to end up at the end. Like, they're going to end up together at the end. In this moment, it's cute. This is cute if we don't go into the details of it. If we keep it surface level, it's the cutest. If that were to happen to me in real life, I would probably go on a rager. But it's a movie. We're going to let it movie. Exactly. And it's definitely one of the cuter moments of this movie. Yeah. I just, I think this movie really doubles down on the whole being 13 aspect. And it does a really good job of it. There were very few parts where I was, and I said this earlier, there were very few parts where I was like, oh, why can't you behave like an adult? Because... I, I think that it's very well written. I definitely agree. And there wasn't, there's like, even like everybody in her life that matters, they kind of like appreciate this change in her because like we said before, she was not a good person. And this has like totally changed her outlook on everything. Yeah. And like people think it's weird at first, but like they grow to appreciate it. Unless you're Lucy, then you uh, are not. Then you're a good mean person. to her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then you're mean to her. Um, do you think that Matt ever genuinely believed that she was thirteen? Or do you think she just kinda or do you think he just kinda takes it in stride? I feel like for the most part he just kinda takes it in stride, but also it's the best friend thing where you're like, Okay, you're kinda serious about this, so I'ma just go along with it. You know, like it might be, it might not be, but I trust you. So, okay. I it's one of the it's one of those I believe that you believe it type deals. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um gosh, it's hard to give this movie a rating because it's fluff, it's, you know, it's silly, it's goofy. Like it's not like peak cinema, but it's a good time. And I appreciated that from the beginning to the end. So, I think I'm going to give this like a seven and a half. I was going to give it a seven, personally. Yeah. 
this movie's funny. It's short. It gets in, it gets out. It does what it wants to do. Um, it is like perfectly yeah. paced too. Like there wasn't a moment where I was like, okay, can we get through this? Like it keeps, it keeps moving. Yeah. So good stuff all around. Ten at seven and a half out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to, uh, did you have anything else before we moved on? No, but I do want to say that moving on to this next one, this is a movie that I have been wanting you to watch for months now. Yeah. First of all, I've never seen another, like, aside from The Dark Knight, this is the only Heath Ledger movie I've seen. Oh my gosh. So I was excited to watch it for the Heath Ledgerness of it all, but also because you've been trying to get me to watch this movie for months now. And that movie is... 10 Things I Hate About You. It's also, you know, we also got a young Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Amazing. Julia Stiles. Yeah. Oh. Um, if you're unfamiliar with the premise of this movie, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt moves to a new school. He finds this girl named Bianca that he really likes, but um, she is not only interested in another guy, but has a rule with her dad where she is not allowed to date unless her older sister dates. And her older sister is unpopular. <laughs> um, she's not like a nerd or anything. She's just distanced herself from high school society. So um, through a means of operations, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt hires Heath Ledger to date Bianca's sister so that he could date Bianca. Well, and it's not- that's the basic basic premise of the movie. So Joseph Gordon-Levitt tries to get another guy that's in or gets another guy that's interested in Bianca to hire Patrick, who's Heath Ledger's character, to take out Kat. Yeah, so it's a Kat mess. is Bianca. It's a mess. Um, it's one of those things that like, it's simple to follow along with, but explaining it verbatim, it, it gets a little complicated. It is very, this movie has a lot of Shakespearean influence and is very much based and very much a modern take on Taming of the Shrew, just making it less abusive and rapey. (laughs) Bold of you to assume I know anything about Taming of the Shrew. Here's what I know about Shakespeare, all right? In order. One, most of Romeo and Juliet. We did read that. Two, most of Hamlet. We did read that too. Three, the Scottish play, because <laughs> all of my friends are afraid of it. Yeah. That's it. We also That's re- the knowledge. We also read it, but I don't know if that was an honors English thing or not. Oh, here we go. Bring it out the honors English. So I stopped taking honors English after honors nine. So what? I'm not stupid because of it. I just didn't want to write as much. But you know what I did? Took a college writing course. Yeah, but you know who I got as a teacher? Yeah, I know who you got as a teacher. <laughs> we don't need to talk about I got the bad teacher. We know that. Anyway, <laughs> 10 things I hate about you. But anyway, Taming, Taming of the Shrew is just this woman who's forced to marry this man and he tries to make her submit to his wills and ways and she's like, no, I want to be independent. So it's kind of like that, but a high school modern take that's less abusive and... Still equally crappy at parts with the motives that go behind things, but as with most rom-coms, happy endings. Yes, this movie is also good. I was kind of afraid of it being like overhyped. You know, I think this movie also has like sustained its place in pop culture for a very long time. It is it is a 90s classic, 90s, early 2000s classic. And I, I'm always a little hesitant when I watch movies like this because I'm afraid it won't hold up. It very much does. It very much holds up. And that's one of the reasons that I like it so much. And one of the reasons that I also wanted you to 
watch it, not only because I knew that you would like Heath Ledger in this and Joseph Gordon-Levitt in this, but just because it's, I think it's a good movie. Yeah, it's genuinely funny. Uh, the first vibe that you get from this movie is all the teachers and administration in this movie, they're written as if they could talk like <laughs> how real life teachers want to talk yes like everything that hits the filter in a real life teacher's brain just passes right through all of these teachers like they make fun of students like they uh kind of rag on this on the bullies of everyone else like uh the principal <laughs> or the vice principal writes um smut okay craig in her office okay craig a Court of Thorns and Roses or Alison Haney's character's book, which is which was harder to listen to. She you she decided <laughs> the word bratwurst was sexy. Engorged. Incorrect. Incorrect. I would listen. I would listen to a thousand Wattpad fanfics before I listened to whatever finished product she churned out. Whatever few words we got from her <laughs> erotic fiction was bad. She has bad taste in sex. She just has bad taste in sex. Yeah. I guess. I, well, and at least in writing it. <laughs> but Heath Ledger's character, hard pivot. Heath Ledger just emanates bad boy on his own. So putting him as the bad boy mysterious character that everybody's making up rumors about because they don't really know who he actually is was a perfect character choice. Perfect character choice. Yes. Like the kind of like hard to pin down accent that smoking a cigarette on the bleachers. You know, it's, ve it's very much an aesthetic and it fits him very well. And... <clears throat> For the beginning when Joey, who is the other guy that's interested in Bianca and is a total douchebag, when he So bad. When he approaches Patrick, which is Heath Ledger's character, once again, if you don't remember, he offers like thirty bucks and then Patrick's like, no, 75. And he's like, 50. And Patrick's like, okay. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to go back to high school when $50 was like hitting the jackpot. Oh, yeah. And so 50 bucks is probably 70 bucks, right? 50 bucks is like 30 bucks. No, I mean, like in terms of inflation. I don't. I don't know. It was 99, so it depends on how much has changed since 99. Well, we did have a recession. We did have two recessions exactly. between then and now. But I was just like, imagine not having any responsibilities and $50 just being like full-on spending money to get whatever you want. With. And gas uh, prices 50, weren't as high. Uh, $50 is $82. See? <clears throat> So, like, I agree. I wish $50 was a lot. Listen, I still think that I would take somebody out for $50. Like, in, in, in terms of just, like, cost versus work, yeah, sure, why not? It'd be worth it. Are you saying that you would be somebody who would accept that and be like, yeah, I'm gonna make this girl go out for, with me for 50 bucks because I'm getting paid to do so? Or would you, well, would you make her aware? Would you make her aware of what was going on and be like, hey. Let's be clear. This situation will never happen to me. If anything, Bug is gonna have to pay other people to take me out. Like, hey, listen, he's a great guy when you get to know him. Like, here's 30 bucks, just give him a shot. Like, that. Like that's the real scenario. Okay, so but- So I don't know if I can land on what I would do. Playing into the scenario, 
if it did happen, if somebody approached you and was like, hey, I'll give you 50 bucks to go ask that person out, would you do it? Yes. Okay. But caveat, I would tell, if we decided to do a second date, that's when I would tell them. Gregory. If, if it was just one date and we both decide, nah, this isn't it, then I use the money to pay for the date, whatever. Second date comes around, I am morally obligated to bring it up. Uh, would you also raise your price like Patrick did? Well, I feel like I don't have any I don't have any justification in raising my price if I want to date this person. But I mean, if the other person still thinks that you're just doing it for the money, you can get more money out of it while the other person knows what's going on. Ooh, you bring up a good point. So I guess so. Also, who is this Joey guy to where he just has 300 bucks to throw around on dates? Rich model. For other people. Rich model. Rich model. God, I wish I had that kind of money. Um... <laughs> So, uh, this, like I said, this movie's genuinely funny. I think the, right from the very get-go, um, there's like the stereotypical click introduction scene where Michael is taking Cameron around just like, hey, this is these people, this is these people. And I think this movie does it very well. It's funny, it's, uh, concise, it doesn't stick around too long. And I think it does a good job at introducing some of the uh, joke characters that we're going to see later on in the movie. Like when he introduces like, these are the stoners. They're super into Bob Marley. They think they're all black. And then later on in the movie, when they like try to like, you know, um, side with the black teacher just for being black. And it's like, this was a good joke. This was a good setup. That scene within itself was so like, it's it's one of those scenes that are still relevant today because in that scene where that happens, where the Rasta guys are like, yeah, you tell them. It's because the teacher was talking about, they were talking about Hemingway, and then Kat was like, why don't we read anything by female poets, and blah 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 blah, and the black teacher's like, well, if we're talking about that, why don't they buy books written by black men? And still relevant today, unfortunately. And it was one of those things where, like, they were kind of bickering to each other about it, and I'm just like, you're both right! (laughs) You're both right! Actually! Exactly. Like, you're fighting the same argument, just different fonts. Yeah. Like, um, but it was one of those things where it was just another instance of teachers wish they could talk like this. Yes. And I think that that it, it, it makes the dialogue relatable, but still absurd. You know, it it doesn't feel like jumping a shark in any way, shape or form, but it's close enough to reality to where it's funny. Agreed. Hard pivot. Cat flashing the detention instructor made me real uncomfortable. Craig, what would you do to get me out of detention? Anything but that. <laughs> like, I would have hurt myself. I would have hurt someone else. <laughs> I would have broken something. I would have... Spilt water on the teacher. Spilt coffee literally, on the teacher. Literally anything else. I don't. Her brain must have been like... Last like, resort. It was the last resort. She must have walked into that room with the thought process of, last resort, I'll flash him. Like, that must have already been on the table I mean, for her to reach to that conclusion. It'll all, like, very rarely will it not work. I don't encourage under... Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Especially if you're underage, do not do it. In case you needed us to tell you, don't flash your teachers for a myriad of reasons. But 
when you are older and if you need to get out of a situation, it'll get you out of the situation. I just want to say <laughs> it's a lot easier for people of the boob persuasion. A lot harder for me. Yes. <laughs> I, I get arrested for stuff like that. Yeah, you got to you got to know when it's good to do it and when it's not good to do it cuz you might get arrested. But so overall <laughs> don't do it. Flashing people has a lot of nuance to it. So unless you can navigate the nuances of flashing somebody, don't do it. you should not be flashing anybody. Don't do it. I don't do it. Don't think I do it, mom. I know you're listening. Don't don't think I'm no, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, I can speak for that. Like <laughs> Um Oh, uh so this movie okay. This might be a hot take. I wish there was a movie where they could just get away with it one time. Like, when they introduce the concept, it's one of those things where, like, the movie has to be funny enough to carry the rest of it through because the plot certainly isn't going to be. You're introduced to the premise very early on. Hey, we're going to pay you to take out this girl so we can date this girl. And and from that exact moment, you know, um, the Bianca's going to break up with Joey. She's going to find out that Cameron really is a good person and that he should and that she should be with him. And also, Kat is going to find out that Patrick is only that Patrick started dating her for the money, gonna get mad at him, but then they're gonna reconcile and then they're gonna get back together and that's how the movie's gonna end. And I just wish there was a movie where we could kind of just skip the middle part where it's like, maybe they don't find out or maybe they do find out and it's not a big deal because that's my least favorite part about rom-coms is them blowing up and like, all right, now we have to spend the last 20 minutes of this movie reconciling because now I just feel bad. Or what if it just blows up and it doesn't work out? You know, they don't get back together. There's no reconciliation because she's like, now screw you. Yeah, that would work too. Just something to like avoid that trope. And, you know, maybe I'm, maybe it's wishful thinking, but I would like to see a movie like that. I don't think that doing this plot hurts a movie. It's just, it just kind of gets a little old after seeing it a lot. But I, and that's the thing about this movie is like, this movie was one of the first ones to do such a thing, you know? So like when it came out, it was original. But as we've gone more into the, like as the early 2000s rom-com takeover came out, it kind of has gotten a little bit cliche, but the humor, like you said, really keeps it going and really still holds up. Especially like even the scenes with the dad, like the dad is like this overprotective, like, I don't want my daughters getting pregnant. Men are awful. Stay away from all of them. Makes his daughter wear a pregnancy belly before she's allowed to go out to a party. <laughs> like that level of strict protective. And it's like hilarious. Yeah. Um, there were some scenes at the party that I thought were really funny. Um, I, I think this movie does a very good job at setting up a later payoff. And the party scene had a really good example of that, where a girl tries to kiss him, tries to kiss Patrick. She turns her around, or he turns her around and pushes her towards someone else. And they start making out. And the guy goes, hey, I appreciate it, man. And then we forget about them for like 15 <laughs> minutes. And then as Patrick is like leaving the party... They're like almost having sex on a chair, the two yeah. of them. And and then he just goes from the back, kind of quietly in the background. Really appreciate it, man. And I thought that was so funny. It's so that okay. So them 
all so to introduce the party scene like when it's beginning it's just all these kids running and shouting towards this rich kid's house and I'm as if that wouldn't get the cops called immediately <laughs> yeah and then also like seeing like high school parties like in movies makes me almost not entirely almost feel like I missed out not going to one of these in high school but one was not cool enough to even get invited two would have been miserable the entire time I was there because I am very much an introvert and would have found wherever the pet was or a room away from everybody and that's where I would have stayed until it was time to go. (laughs) And three, they were never actually like that. They were probably a whole lot trashier. (laughs) And we know this because Alex and I in high school threw the closest to a movie party that I think all three of us had ever been to. Yes. We threw... It was a Halloween listen, party. I'm gonna, I'm gonna toot my own horn for a second <laughs> because I'm still proud. I might have peaked in high school, but at least I'm proud of it. And because we threw a Halloween party, we invited like 50 people and like 40 of them came mm-hmm. and it was it was people we had no business inviting like people that were super cool and like girls that were like stereotypically hot and were like and they all showed up and were like this is something's going on here but no we just threw a normal party with like soda and pizza and card games and it was so fun we just, it was such we just a good had time. A, we just had a good vibe going on and people like like were attracted to that so if anyone's in high school don't look for the ragers Mm-mm. look for the parties that are about two steps down from that the parties that bring the same energy but don't have the same hostility exactly and like we were all sitting around talking having a good a good time laughing our butts off until like three or four o'clock in the morning like I remember I had to text my parents to ask for an extended curfew like three times and because I was at Craig's they were fine with it they weren't okay with me at that time spending the night at Craig's because I wasn't 18 yet but they were like yeah you're somewhere safe you're having a good time just let us know when you're on your way home and I didn't get home until like 3 30 in the morning and then immediately the next day we all went to a corn maze that party is one of my top five memories um but to go back to the movie because we haven't talked about it in five (laughs) minutes um uh the the that party scene was the first of two like plot heavy scenes uh the other one being prom because that's when everything's revealed uh, that's when everything gets revealed uh, Patrick and Kat go together and Bianca and Cameron go together. And, you know, that's when Patrick it you know, gets found out and Kat storms out on him. And what gives her the inspiration to write the poem that gives the movie its name. Which is, oh, it just, it hits so hard every time. Like, no matter where I am in my life, whatever's going on, that poem will always, like, pull at the heartstrings. It'll always pull at the heartstrings. <laughs> It's one of those things because the poem is like 10 lines and each line starts with I hate. You can do the math. And by the time we got to like the fifth or sixth line, I'm like, oh, this is the movie title. I should be paying more attention. (laughs) (laughs) 
And it's all Cause, about Patrick. Because I got to a point about halfway through the movie, like we're at the party scene or we're at prom or something. And I'm like, why is it called this? Normally, we know why a movie is called this by now. And it ta- and this movie really strings us along. It's like the scene before the last scene. <laughs> um, I think they reconciled a little too quickly because she reads the poem and she's like, I hate all these things about you. You drive me crazy. You're intolerable, but I hate the fact that I still love you or I hate the fact that I can't stop thinking about you. Something to that effect. I hate that I don't hate you at all. So she wasn't even like, she didn't even like hate him. She was just like, she wished she could. And so she leaves the room crying understandable it was a pretty intense poem and then afterwards patrick is like listen i'm sorry (laughs) and she and he gets her a really nice guitar and it it was very it was a one scene reconciliation she was mad for a scene and then they reconciled for a scene and i'm like if you're gonna do it do it right at least but i think it was nice it was nice because it wasn't drawn out i would rather have a short one than a drawn out one but it was very much a oh, oh i guess we're okay now well, cool. There's two factors to this, though. The first factor being that he did catch up to her at prom after she ran away and, like, tried to explain himself and, like, said pretty much most of what he would have needed to say. She just needed to, like, either absorb it and, like, figure out what she was going to do with it, you know, with that information. Yeah. And two, it's very true to how most high school arguments work out. Like, you're mad for a couple days and then you're like, I so we cool yeah (laughs) yeah you're either cool or you're not exactly and taking it back taking it back there's two other scenes that i really want to talk about yeah of course one being the paintball scene because it's one of my favorite cutesy little scenes in movies ever it's like one of my all-time favorite do you remember last night when I texted you, I I miss being romantic to someone? You were watching that it's because, scene. <laughs> uh, it's because I was watching that scene. And I'm like, this is so cute. Stop it. It's just so cute. Like, it's sickeningly cute. And they have their first kiss there. And it's just, aww. It's the scene where, like, if you wanted to pinpoint a moment, it's the scene where he falls in love with her. Yes. Like, it's the scene where it stops being about the money. Yes. And the other scene was where he's convincing her to go to prom with him and, like, take him back after he refuses to kiss her after the party because she's drunk, so he's a very good man. He did not take advantage of the drunk girl, made made sure she got home safe while everybody was, like, laughing at her for dancing on a table, and then she felt rejected, so she was like, no, I hate him, and he was like, but come to prom with me. And so to win her back, I I guess in a sense he decides you know what i'm gonna sing can't take my eyes off of you on the bleachers while the marching band plays along with me and there was a point where i told my partner i was like that is the only type of proposal i will accept and i was partially joking <laughs> but <laughs> i wouldn't be mad if it happened and also big fan of the <laughs> go ahead big fan of the grand gestures I'm yeah of course I'm dramatic we know this (laughs) yeah yeah but also there in the newest Joker movie there's an homage or however you say it to that scene when the Joker is like dancing on the stairs he does the same moves that Heath Ledger does on the bleachers oh that's that's cool i i only watched joker once and it was in theaters and i was scared the whole time i've never Um, actually seen the newest one 
because he's will always be my favorite. Not that's not the reason, but I just haven't gotten around to it. But I saw that online like a couple weeks ago and I was like saving it for this moment. <laughs> yeah, this movie is good. It's funny, it's cute, it's romantic. Like it has a lot of good things going for it. There are a few bones that I have to pick with it. It's not perfect, but I understand why people like it a lot. I, I it it deserves it. I think it genuinely deserves it. What's your rating for this one? I think I'm also giving this a seven and a half. This one's a solid eight for me. This one's a solid yeah. eight. Respect. Respect. It's a very it's very good. Very good stuff all around. Next on to my personal favorite of this list, 27 Dresses. This is the movie that made me fall absolutely in love with weddings when I was younger. I'm afraid that I'm going to play the Alex part in this discussion. Because <laughs> listen, here's this is the first, I think this is the first time we're going to just generally disagree with this movie, which is fine. Because uh, here's the thing, I did not hate this movie. I just don't think there's anything special about it well that's why i like it is because it's just simple and it's there and also like i guess it goes along with the feeling of you know always coming in second place i guess which often shows up in these types of movies like with rom-coms yeah. and everything so it's kind of like always the bridesmaid never the bride you know always second place and that's like it but like as we see as we watch it she kind of the lead character jenna kind of once again another jenna right jenna that's who it is in this one? Uh, it's Jess, isn't it? It's Tess and Jess? No, I don't think so. Hold on. We're I'm gonna pretty look it sure up. it is. We're going to look it up. I'm pretty sure it's Tess and Jess. Hold Bestie, on. I thought, this was, I thought this was your look. favorite okay, rom-com. Okay, it's been a long day. It's Jane, so we were <laughs> both wrong. <laughs> her sister's name is definitely Tess, though. Yes, her sister's name is okay. Tess. Okay. Um, anyway, I don't even remember where I was going with this. Oh. Always the bridemaid, second place. Yeah, so, like, she kind of, like, gets pushed to, like, finally stand up for herself. And, like, also, like I said, it just made me really like weddings, and it's a lot about weddings. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely a wedding movie. Um... I don't, I think the most, imp- listen, rom-coms love to like bend the truth a little bit. Like, oh, this would never happen. And this movie is like, it's pretty okay with that as far as like rom-coms go. But there is no way that one woman is popular enough to be 27 different people's bridesmaids. Well, like, she's- let's just talk about that for a second. I don't know how you get that popular. If I were to be in this movie, this movie would be called Three Dresses. Well, she's a wedding planner. That's the thing. So, like, these people will, like, invite her to these, or, like, have hire her to be their wedding coordinator and their wedding planner and then they're like oh you've done everything for me please be my maid of honor which like but like that's for like the people who like don't have that many friends of their own you know to where they're like oh you're my wedding planner be my maid of honor or be my bridesmaid yeah, I don't know if I would vibe with that. If my if my partner was like, let's invite the wedding planner, I'd be like, weren't they going to be there anyway? Yeah, or maybe it's like they had a bridesmaid cancel because that happens. Bridesmaids cancel sure. last minute all the time. So they're just like, Jane, you've done everything else for us. Come be a bridesmaid. It's, 
and it just so happens that ev- they even make a kind of a joke about that in the movie, like right at the beginning, like when she's trying a dress on and we're like, oh, Catherine Heigl's getting married. And then she's like, oh, yeah, they're just finishing up the dress now. Thank goodness we're in the same size. Like, yes. OK. <laughs> that And also, this is the movie where I once again, as in every movie he's in, fell in love with James Marsden. So James Marsden is a sleeper. Like, I'll say this. Honestly. Like, for all the crap that you can give James Marsden for being in movies like Hop or whatever, he... He puts in his A game every time. He been slept if on. If you want to, if you want to criticize a movie, very rarely will you criticize it for James Marsden. Exactly. Like, and this is the movie he did right after Hairspray. So, like, yeah, oh, iconic. Iconic. Um, if you've made it this far into the discussion <laughs> and don't know what we're talking about, uh, <laughs> a, a very brief synopsis is Catherine Heigl, like you said, plays a wedding planner, and um, she. She is secretly in love with her boss and one day her sister moves it moves back to new york from wherever she was i forget where she was yeah um so her little sister moves back and instantly hits it off with her boss they start dating they get engaged and now katherine heigl professional wedding planner and professional bridesmaid has to now be a bridesmaid to her sister and the man she's in love with and then we have james marsden over here that writes the commitment section of the new york journal um and so he's on the wedding circuit all the time and james marsden and katherine heigl they meet at a wedding they hit it off and biff baff boom they fall in love not towards the not until the end of the movie they have they have a little bit of a rocky road but that's kind of the general vibe of the movie yeah and i think there so in the beginning part of the movie Jane is trying to balance two weddings at once, so she's a bridesmaid in both of them that are on the same day at the same time, so she's running back and forth to them, and there's one part where she, like, is going for the bouquet that gets tossed, and she gets knocked over and, like, gets knocked out, and then she wakes up to Kevin or James Marsden's character, and honestly, if I got knocked out and I woke up to James Marsden over me, I'd think I was in heaven. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't know you were pining for James Marsden this hard. Always. Since I saw him as Cyclops in X-Men when I was very young, I have had such a crush on him. Like, he is totally underappreciated. And even to me, like, even sometimes I'm like, I, I forget to add him in my list of celebrities I love, but then I'm like, oh my god, I love James Marsden. I, I think, I le- I really like James Marsden as an actor. Like, he was unironically good in Sonic. He's unironically good as Cyclops. He's unironically ironically good in this i think like if we if we want to get superficial about it and talk about his physical appearance i think he needs a new haircut if he got a different haircut just personally for my taste that would probably seal the deal well in like x-men and in hairspray he has like a shorter cut which looks really good yeah, but then the in the rest of the cut yeah mm. the hairspray <laughs> cut is good like 10 out of 10 hairspray cut but he in the rest of his movies he's really got that that like mid-length shaggy look going on bed head rolled out of bed pushed it back yeah type of deal um so i just want to say first of all it's very hard for me to feel sympathetic towards jane just like kind of in general because 
we don't know how long was she working at this company like two years at least at no fresh out of college she was fresh out of college so like probably like six years yeah probably some good amount of time she had so much time to make a move if she wanted to like i as an audience like it's one of those things where I understand why this is upsetting to you. You have to understand if you wanted to make this ship sail, you had so many opportunities to do so. My issue with it and like the sympathetic part, I wasn't even like sympathetic for Jane because I was like, oh, you know, I was in the same boat as you like, okay there's been all this time and you still haven't like dropped hints or anything you're doing all this stuff for this man and he hasn't even like hinted that he has interest in you my problem is with the beach tess and her just coming in and doing everything she knows her sister wants and lying to this man to get him to fall in love with her and like basing the entire relationship on lies and then getting mad when her sister calls her out on it and like getting mad at her sister being embarrassed and her sister's story getting posted without her consent yeah that was that's definitely also bad (laughs) most of these characters in this in this movie are bad (laughs) just bad intentions bad morals bad like action ability these guys need to figure out their work also why didn't we just make this a judy greer month (laughs) i was waiting i was waiting for you to bring that up because i didn't even notice that that was a thing until i thought about it right before i was watching these movies i was like oh judy greer's in two of these like we may as well have just sealed the deal maybe we we should have just gone through and done two more judy greer movies the thing with okay but those movies would be so entirely different because judy <laughs> greer is always best friend yeah i don't know if judy greer has ever starred in a movie she's either the bitch or the bitch of a best friend Yeah, so also, I liked her character less in this movie compared to 13 going on 30. Now, was she a better person in this movie? Sure. Was she less entertaining? Also, yes. But I also loved her carefree attitude. Like, she was just, like, doing it. She was just going about it. She was like, whatever, I don't give a frick. That's totally fair. But, like, the moment... I just threw a pen across my room. The moment she lost me was when she just started, like, cursing in the middle of their yoga session i'm like hey read the room but that's judy greer's characters yeah (laughs) fair enough so they're so after kevin is like there to help jane up he like helps her into the taxi on the way home and like rides with her and she leaves her planner in the car and that's how this writer realizes that she's in all of these weddings and you know decides to have an interest in her but then when he returns the planner to her he's written himself in for every saturday and i think that is a bold move that is that is cute that i think that's kind of cute like i would not have the balls to do something like that but if the opportunity presents itself maybe i'll try to james marsden myself into a relationship let's talk about the james marsden thing for a second what maybe i missed this but what did james marsden tell them the article was gonna be about it was for tess and george's wedding that was the initial thing was he was covering the wedding for the commitment section but then he because he wanted to like get under jane's skin 
more and because he reached out to them but then he was like okay I want to know more about all these weddings you've been in and then he goes over to interview Jane and sees all the dresses and that's where the idea blossoms okay because it was I kind of was under the impression the whole time that the article was about the bridesmaid part it kind but. of turned into that in the long run. Like, he kind of, like, po- or at least he might have just, like, posed it as that's what he was doing for Tess and George's wedding. But then he was like, really, I just want to get the scoop on Jane. Yeah, I think, I, I feel like if I were Jane, I don't know if I would be that upset about it. Because um, we didn't really get to hear the details of the article. But, like, unless it was written in just, like, a real makes me look like a loser tone well the title of the article was always 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 the bridesmaid yeah so that kind of tells you that that's the exact tone that it was written fair that's fair that's fair i i i definitely think that jane should have given kevin literally four seconds to explain himself yes because if 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 she was like actively listening and heard hey i didn't want to print this article i had something else in mind problem solved problem solved be mad at the boss be mad at the boss yeah okay craig so yeah guess my two favorite scenes guess the oh obvi number one dancing in the diner yes Absolutely. Yeah. Or the obviously. bar. It was the bar. But yes. Okay. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um. The second is it is it when Jane is just airing that dirty laundry during the rehearsal dinner? No. Okay. What What's the second one then? The trying on all the dresses. Oh sure. Because that's sure, when you get to see like Jane and Kevin like actually bonding with each other and not just bickering with each other like they're like genuinely kind of flirty and when most of the time they're just like at each other's throats with a tone of sexual tension yeah i that 27 i i feel like none of those dresses most of those dresses weren't too absurd like a lot of like the joke of that scene is look at all of these ugly dresses there were like three of them that i'm like okay that's really bad um but none of them were exactly good you're correct okay but i don't think i've ever actually seen a good bridesmaid's dress to begin with there's no universally good bridesmaid's dress well if the thing is the difference is if the bride picks the bridesmaids dresses or if the bride just gives the bridesmaids a color and says make sure it's in this color pick whatever style you want because then the bridesmaids will look good because they'll be able to pick a dress in the style that suits their body instead of just having to make their body work with the style of dress the bride chooses oh i i 100 agree i think that just like i i've seen so many photos of just like you know three of the five bridesmaids look great and then like the one plus sized or like a little bit shorter bridesmaid is like they stick out like a sore thumb because the dress was not like chosen for them or anything I'm also um, really yeah. surprised that Jane didn't slap Tess across the face when she found out that she cut up their mother's wedding dress. Oh my god. As someone who was not incredibly invested in this movie, I would have lost it. Like, oh! <laughs> like, Tess... I would have smacked Tess so hard, her DNA would have changed and we would not be family anymore. Exactly. Like, exactly. Oh my God. 
I would not have felt as bad as Jane did when she aired out all their business at the rehearsal dinner with the slideshow. I would have felt so good about that because I'd have been like, yeah, screw you. This is for mom, bitch. Like, I I think just like, first of all, bad situation in general. And then she has the audacity, the audacity to be like, oh, don't worry. We saved you the scraps. You, gee, thanks, Tess. Thanks for the scraps. And in that same sentence, she's like, look, I know that you wanted the dress and you wanted the boathouse and you wanted the sunset, but I get to do it first. You've always been jealous of me and it wouldn't fit you anyway. Oh, she's so bad. So bad. And you know whose fault it is? It's Jane's fault because Jane raised her. I mean, you can only do so much when you're also a child. I know. I'm just... I'm just clowning. I'm just clowning. So what we can really say is it's the mom's fault for dying. (laughs) (laughs) Gregory! No! I'm in a a silly, goofy mood today. (laughs) Oh my god. Okay, this... Brailing it back in from that hard pivoting, this movie is the sole reason that I always will look at the groom during the wedding when the bride is walking down the aisle. That That is a genuine good piece of insight, oh, just in general. It's so amazing. Like, I've since I've seen this movie, every, like, the first time I watched this movie, every wedding I've been to, I have done this, and the look on the groom's face is literally, like, heart-melting. Like, it's, there's so much love, and especially if they're crying, and you're just like, oh, and, like, I worked weddings, so, like, I've been to a lot of weddings where I've gotten to see this, and it's every time. It, oh, well, not every time, but then you know that it's not gonna work out, but... <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have been to two weddings and one of them was Alex's and, you know, like I I was in the party. So like I was pretty much like next to Alex for this and just like I'm telling Alex's marriage story. (laughs) (laughs) But it it was genuinely like that. Like I, I was looking at Alex during that part and I'm just like this. This is the moment that we are all here for. Another just like little nitpick. Um, when she's doing that bit where she's like driving back and forth between weddings and like changing in the car, like she does this thing like three hundred dollars for the night. Every time you look back while I'm changing, twenty dollars off. First of all, not a bad deal. Mm-hmm. Not a bad deal mm-hmm. overall. And, but then she marks him off the first time he does it, and I'm like, you didn't tell him what you were doing. You hey. were just like, <laughs> you were just like, don't look back. And he's and then all of a sudden, rustling is in the back seat. It's my cab, bud. I kind. I don't want to see what's going on back there. Well, either it's like it's like Orpheus. Don't look back, or you're gonna lose everything. Was that a Hades Town reference? No, that was the original Orpheus story reference because he goes back to get his love, and Hades is like, "Hey, don't look back, and you can have her back." And he's like, oh, "Hades is just tricking me. I'm gonna look back and see if she's actually there." And then he looks back, and she's actually there. And then he doesn't get her back because he's dumb. Uh, well, I should know about literature and mythology, but I don't. I mean, I listen um, to a mythology podcast at work. That's the only reason I know. Fair enough. Um, 
um i also want to say there is you know right away when it's raining that hard they're hydroplaning they're getting into a car accident like it's one of those things that the movie telegraphs from a million miles away like it's raining and they're yelling they're gonna get into a car accident and like if the if the person in the passenger seat no matter how badly you disagree with them, no matter how much of a moral moral and ethical divide that you have with this person, if they're telling you to slow down while it's pouring rain, maybe just slow down a little bit. Also, like, why did they go back to the car? Like, they called the tow truck and the tow truck wasn't going to be there until, like, the next morning, as they were told. So, like, why wouldn't they just get a room for a night? Instead, they went back to the car and did the doodly while in the car with wet clothes. That that was the note that I made was that must have been the most uncomfortable car sex that has ever happened on the planet. Yes, especially because Catherine Agra is not short no, and neither is, is James Marston very tall it's the fact that they did it in the front seat like guys take it back <laughs> at least lean the so, seat back yeah um i i think uh but but the bar the but the diner scene the next morning i thought was pretty cute until it all got ruined Yes, when the guy came up and was like, oh my gosh, you guys were great last night. We're Betty and the Jets. Yeah, and then uh, there were, yeah, it it was a very, very cute moment in general. Um, This movie also had a very, I I said something similar to 10 Things I Hate About You, but this movie had a very quick reconciliation. It's like, they did not reconcile until like the last 10 minutes of the movie. And I'm like, oh, whoa, 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 okay, okay. I guess we're we're, we're chill with each other now now well i think she realized after he explained himself she was yeah. like oh maybe i kind of overreacted a little bit um then i also want to say <laughs> a good scene in this movie that i did enjoy was when i think it was when tess and george first started talking at a at the bar and like they were flirting and he was like whispering in her <laughs> I ear know where you're going with this she like storms out of the bar that they're in and we think that she's just like in an alleyway she's very clearly outside the bar and she starts cursing up a storm she is cursing and banging her bag up against a wall and like a pure fit of rage and then she goes to the left and there's just a very sweet 50th anniversary party happening right next to her and i'm like all right, all right, props for that one. Props for that one. <laughs> You're in that situation, Craig. What are you doing? Um, if I am that if I'm the perpetrator of the anger, I think I would do exactly what she did. I would be like, "I am so sorry. Have a very happy 50th anniversary. Congratulations." And I would slink out of the room. I'd close the doors behind me, and then I would drown myself in the closest <laughs> toilet. Valid. I would definitely put my head down, turn around, blushing furiously, go home, and never show my face in public again. <laughs> Why did this small child curse at us? What did we do? Hey! <laughs> okay, Craig, what are you writing it? I'm going to give it a flat six. I, I really think, especially after watching Bride Wars this month as well, like, there's not too much that sets this apart from, you know, most other rom-coms of this era. Right. So I'm giving it a flat six. I wasn't personally invested, but it wasn't, you know, I didn't hate watching it. 
I'm going with the 7.5 personally. Yeah, totally fair. Totally fair. It's just like at this point, it comes down to is this your kind of movie? And do you like Katherine Heigl in these kinds of movies? And I'm I'm a simp for Katherine Heigl in these types of movies. I've noticed that because life as we <laughs> know it as well is also a soft spot for me. Did you watch One for the Money? Yes. I, so my mom read those books. Oh, uh, those books, those books go up to like at least the 20s or at least she read them up to the 20s. And, um... So we watched that movie, but I was like 10 when we watched this movie. Oh boy. Like 10 or 11. And it's one of those like rated PG-13, but like they make- They toe that line. They toe it's that mostly, line. mostly, like you would have to flash one boob and it'd be R, you know? It's so they're naked, like, but they cover it up with like a towel or like a like freaking shower curtain. And, you know, there's just like lots of adult, like within the first five minutes, there's a blowjob joke. Yeah. Um, and my dad was just like, we shouldn't let the kids watch this. I actually don't think I watched that movie. I think I watched the first 10 minutes of that movie. It's not the best <laughs> one she's done. Oh, uh, so I've heard. So yeah. I've heard. Um, I still but... own it, though, because I own like all of her rom-coms. <laughs> all right. Let's move on to our last rom-com for the episode, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. This one has kind of been on a list of mine for a little while now. Um. Kat I like Michael Sarah and Cat Dennings and Cat Dennings. Um, you know, I the hardest listen. The w- the big thing that I walked away from this movie is if Michael Sarah can pull someone like Cat Dennings, then so can I, <laughs> because Michael Sarah he is a type. He is a type. <laughs> of the things that I love Michael Sarah for, his confidence and charisma is not high on that list. No. So if you aren't familiar with Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, uh, the long and short of it is uh, Michael Sarah plays a character named Nick. He is the drummer of a, or he's the bassist of a band and they're out doing a show. He just got, he's been broken up with his uh, girlfriend for a little bit. He's not over her. He goes to play a gig with his band. That's where he meets Nora, who was a friend of his ex and like heard all the mixtapes that Nick made for his ex, whose name is Tris. Mm-hmm. And Nora is like, I love this guy that makes the, like I love this guy's taste of music. I bet I really like this guy. So Nick is playing this gig. Nora is there. They meet and they're like, oh, there's this super underground band that's playing and they don't give out their location. They give out clues to the location. So the two of them kind of like team up together to try and find this underground band's gig. That's the that's the A plot. We get B and C plots along the way, but that's the A plot. Craig, Craig. Yeah? Can we start a band and make people go on a scavenger hunt to find where we're playing? Dude, I'm telling you, No Pants Party is going to be playing these underground shows. They have to. No Pants Party is going to be the biggest underground hit once we finally start doing it. Yeah, once we both learn how to read and write music, <laughs> it'll be fine. Yeah, you have... You have- the beginnings of a music degree you know more than i so get on it craig i'm just um i'm just there to be a pretty face okay (laughs) um uh this movie is definitely a lot more charming um this movie is i i I would say it gives off major teen rom-com vibes Mm -hmm. if kat dennings and michael Sarah weren't so obviously 24 
Yeah. <laughs> like Ooh, they're supposed to be like they're seniors in high school. Um, but they certainly could have fooled me. Um, this movie came out like two years before Thor did. Yeah. So when you were younger, did you ever receive a mix CD or like make a mix CD? Oh, when I was in college, when I was in college, like I'm not still in college. <laughs> when I when I was back in Michigan, um, and we were doing Christmases. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have any money for real gifts, so I just made everybody a playlist. I, the way I did it is I made it on Spotify, and then I burnt it onto a CD using totally legal technology. Right. And, yeah, of course. And so I would give them the physical CD and also send them the Spotify playlist. Oh, I love that. That's cute. Yeah. You, you never lived around me when I started this trend, so I only gave you the Spotify playlists. I don't even think you shared me the spot shared with me the Spotify playlist. Oh, yes, I most certainly did. No, I don't think you did because I don't have it saved. Because I was thinking about I... that the other day because I remember I re- I remember you talking about this and I th- you said you were going to but you never actually sent it. I bet it. I bet I have it. I know I've sent you birthday playlists. Mm. I know I have. I've sent you at least two birthday playlists. And if we were not re- after the recording, remind me, and I will look around for them. Do it because it must have been a long time ago before I knew how to save things on Spotify. <laughs> um, but anyway, I asked because I grew up with like my parents are very young, and we, my aunt and my mom, like all there was to do for most of their free time, was to make mix CDs, you know? So they would make them for all their friends, they would make them for themselves, and they would make us for my brother, make them for my brother and I. And so I got a bunch from them, and then I got one from someone in high school, and then now, like, my favorite pastime is making playlists for people, and people are very excited to get my playlists. Oh, I love making playlists. I'm just not good at them anymore. Or I'm not good at them, period, because I do not listen to many bands. It's like, hey, how many times can I put Jukebox the Ghost and watch <laughs> on the same on the same mixtape? Yeah, you definitely have to be someone who's like always on the hunt for new stuff. So what what so I've made you three playlists now. What is, what is your ratings of them? Okay, so you made me the first one that you made me in high school was just like a general like Bugs music. Was probably, taste. Yeah, like this is the best representation of my music that I think you will like. And that had like Marianas Trench on it. It had probably an all time low song or two. It had I'd panic. have to look back. But definitely panic um i and just like songs of that ilk um and i listened to that that was probably my go-to car playlist for at least a month or two mm-hmm. um and that playlist is what got me into mariana's trench all of the pl- all of the playlists that you've sent me, I have kind of like gleamed one band from all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you sent me another one, and I think that one's probably where I got Paramore from. Yeah, and like I had heard, and like I had heard Paramore here and there before, but like you sending me more of their songs was like, all right, it's time for me to sit down and like listen to their albums. So that was that. And then the third one, I specifically asked you to make me the third one because I yes. was like, I. My knowledge of pop punk music is so disgustingly bad. I need some knowledge about this. So you did me the kind favor of sending me that. Um, And that's where, and I gleamed uh, All Time Low 
out of that. Mm-hmm. So all in all, uh, pretty good. <laughs> I I, th- I would say at the very least successful. There we go. I'll take it. Uh uh. So I just want to say how how on how dare you say that you get secondhand embarrassment from thirteen going on thirty. <laughs> When, oh, this movie, oh, they are very bad at communicating in a normal way and in a flirty way. They're just bad at being around other people. But this is a different type of secondhand embarrassment than 13 going on 30. Like with 13 going on 30, it's a lot of public secondhand embarrassment. While this is like socially awkward secondhand embarrassment. But if you know Michael Sarah and you know every character he plays you can expect it yeah i would say this is kind of like um like office kind of awkwardness like that this is like the awkwardness is what they play off of to keep you in the their high schoolers mindset yeah um there's a lot of jokes around michael sarah having a really bad car which fair that car sucks and he gets so defensive uh, about it so it's like is it stylistic sure does it function no hardly um the, I, I think th- I think that they have a lot of really cute interactions. Um, the awkwardness when it's bearable uh, does come off as endearing. So I think that 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 was cute. I did enjoy them like when they were actually bonding. Mm-hmm. They had really good moments. But I also felt like they were fighting a lot. I feel like um, Nora was like Nora was the one that was like I want this to happen. But like she never really communicated that super well to Nick. So when Nick was like, yeah, I'm still kind of hung up on Triss, Nora kind of blows up on him and she's like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be like the pretty face. I don't want to be like your second choice. And I'm like, bud, you came to him. Uh, yeah, I definitely see that. Cause like, but at the same time, it's kind of discouraging when like you're really interested in somebody and you're like, oh my gosh, this is the dude behind all of these playlists. I've loved all of these mixed CDs so much. I put every single song on my iPod and here he is obsessed with the girl I despise. Yeah, sure. So it's it's I, def- I, she's definitely projecting. Like she's definitely yes. projecting, but like feel for you, sis, feel for you. I yeah, I definitely feel for you. I just think that she that she could have done a better job um uh, f- communicating what she wants. Yes. Once again, um going to the high school characteristics. Yeah, yeah. So Do you want to talk about uh, uh their very drunk friend Caroline? Yeah, so when I said that there was a B plot. This was the big one. Is that Caroline? Her uh, Nora has a friend named Caroline, and she is notorious for getting drunk when they go out to gigs and stuff. And Nora was like, "Hey, Caroline, can you do me a huge solid and not get totally shwasted at this party?" And Caroline's like, "I have no earthly idea what you're talking about." And then Caroline gets so drunk they could probably have written a fourth Hangover movie about her. <laughs> The B-plot is a hangover movie. Yes, because they spend... Because when they're not looking for this underground band, they're trying to find Caroline. Because... 
Nick's uh, bandmates were, were supposed to take her home and lost her because she freaked out on them because obviously she's drunk and nobody told her what was happening. They just said, hey, get in this van with these three gay guys and hope for the best. Yeah. And she woke up, saw that she was around a bunch of strange people and left, which like fair. Fair enough. Uh, um. So I felt like. I, I don't know. There, there was a lot of looking for Caroline in this movie. Like, an, there was so much looking for Caroline. It was almost a looking for Caroline movie and not a looking for where's Fluffy movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so there's one scene where she's like at, was it a train station or like a subway well, station? It was... I, I think it was a subway station. So she's at the subway station and she's like talking to this worker, not even like the worker of the station, but like a worker at like a food place or whatever. And he's like eating a sandwich or was it a sandwich? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's it like a turkey sandwich. Yeah. He's eating a sandwich. And like the actor who was playing the guy eating the sandwich made the decision to not say anything. Like there was a, there was scripted parts for him in the script. But for one take, he was like, I'm just not going to say anything. And so Caroline's actress improvised that entire speech and that's the one that they used yeah good stuff good stuff and then craig tell them about your favorite part of this movie (laughs) there is a scene (laughs) where um content warning if you don't like talking about vomit we're gonna have to we have to we're gonna give a timestamp for when you can move forward yes we are no I was just gonna say skip ahead two minutes because I don't want to stay on this very long. Um, there's a scene where she is in a urinal oh, or not a urinal in a but a stall toilet. in a toilet, and she throws up into the toilet, and you see a little bit of the vomit, and I'm like, ew, gross, whatever. And then she drops her phone in the toilet, and then she grabs it out. She grabs it out, but then with, with her hands. But then and then I stopped watching after that. Straight up, I turned around and did not watch the rest of this scene. You know what else pure, happens? But from pure audio clues, with them, what I can gather happened is there's a piece of gum in this movie. There's a piece of gum that Caroline is really attached to for the entirety of this. The gum goes in the toilet, and then she gets the gum out of the toilet. Who? <laughs> And she puts it back in her mouth. So gross. So, so disgusting. Who that, approved that? <laughs> that is, I would say, that is my personal saw trap. If I were kidnapped by Jigsaw <laughs> and he was like, hey, give me a pound of flesh or eat gum out of a vomit <laughs> toilet. Goodbye to my private member. Sorry, gang. That's just a personal choice that I'm making. Oh, I don't. Look, we are both 22 years old, right? But we have been in our legal drinking age during a pandemic. So we have not been around that many drunk people. You know, we've been around drunk people. I've been to the club. I've been around drunk people. Never have I been around somebody who I feel like would do that. I'm just, I don't want to talk about it anymore. So, on to the next part. Um, how did you feel about that um, car dance scene that Tris strip teases for Nick? Yeah, so for a little bit of context, Nick and Nora get into a fight and they kind of like go their separate ways. And uh, Nora has this kind of like friends with benefits, boyfriend, ex-boyfriend type guy. So, and she goes to him. His name is Tall. And Nick goes back to his ex-girlfriend, Tris. And ever since that Nick 
and Nora started flirting, Triss got super jealous. It's like, oh, I, it's like one of those, I want what I can't have type deals. So now that Nick is unavailable, I want him back. So she starts flirting with him. And after Nick and Nora go their separate ways for a little bit, uh, she ditches Gary and goes with Nick. Yeah. Nick gives Triss a ride home. They stop for a second. She gets out of the car and does what I can only describe as the least sexy striptease on the planet. Like, it was just 90 seconds of her, like, doing, like, a torso wiggle. And then Nick and, uh, drives away. Yeah, and then Nick just, Nick's like, I actually don't like this. And just goes and leaves. Which, fair. I do need to talk about Tall for a second, though. Yes. Because he puts a bad name on all us Talls in the world, right? <laughs> so, first of all, also, Nora, buddy, why did you not... <laughs> that is important information to disclose to someone that you want, that you are romantically interested in. Or you need to make things clear with this other boy with Tall. Be like, hey, boundaries, we need to make them now. Well, what and I assume, she did neither of those things. What so I when, assume is that they were off again at that point because she explained later that it was very on again, off again. So I assume before everything went down for that night, they were off again. And then they, he saw her and was like, oh, I'm drunk. I want to be all up on you. And I want you for your dad, not for you. Yeah. So I, I found that kind of uncomfortable when... When Nick got upset at her about that, I was kind of on his side about that. Like, Nora, buddy, you gotta make these things clear. It's the fact that when he started to get all touchy-feely on her, she accepted it. She did not say no. She did not push him away. She was like, I'm letting this happen. And that I wasn't a fan of that. But I, from the look on her face and the vibe that I got, it was kind of a, this will cause more problems if I push him away than if I just accept it and hear it. In the moment and explain later which is kind of proven later on at like one of the final scenes when he's all come with me Nora and all that goes down and she finally stands up for herself and then he ends up getting punched in the face which was well deserved yes very well deserved so I definitely think it was a it'll just be easier to go along with this right now than it would be to stand up for myself. Yeah, sure. That's fair. That's fair. Um, So they, uh, during that scene, they kind of like reconcile and then Nick and Nora, they drive off again. Uh, Nora takes her to a record. Nora takes Nick to a recording studio that her dad owns. And it's like this super famous recording studio. All the legends have recorded there. And, and, uh, they kind of, they kind of do it in the recording studio. Um, Nora is like, Hey, just for the record, you know, I've kissed tall what and everything but that's he's the only person i've kissed and he's the and he's the only person i've been with or like he's the only person that i have done anything romantic with so like it it's a kind of a big moment for her to be like essentially lose not essentially effectively losing her virginity to nick also in a recording studio which just between you and me was pretty hot that that, Uh that's kind of hot 
that's kind of well, hot like seeing all like the dials and like the the microphone readings like gregory yeah yeah that's cool uh hold on you so stunned into silence that uh i could be so correct you jealous of my well no i'm trying to fi- figure <laughs> out if it was actually her losing her virginity or because there's this whole scene where tris like makes a dig at her about never i don't know how to say this <laughs> say it how you want to say it and we can go back about never like having an orgasm right because she's like well i could have had millions so how would i know and the dude in behind her is like oh honey you know so i don't know if it's her losing her virginity or if it's her finally finishing yep i don't know I, that that part is vague. Not so. That's kind of how I interpreted it. Well, she has the a first. Way- Either way, she has a first with Nick. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it, it, I, it was a cute scene. Just yeah. in general, them being in the recording studio was cute. And then they leave. They figure out where Fluffy Bunny is playing. Fluffy Bunny. And, oh, it's Where's Fluffy. <laughs> the band is called Where's Fluffy, but their drum, like their symbol of the band is a bunny. Yeah. So the entire time it was just, flu- in my head, it was Fluffy Bunny. That's all um, they do. But- they don't play music. They just all play Fluffy Bunny. Yeah. Um, so they go to where's fluff, they go to where, where's fluffy is playing and you know, they they don't even watch the band. They don't even watch the band. Yeah. It was, uh, it was one of those, like, I just want you kind of moments. It was cute. It was like cute, but like this entire movie has been about finding where this band is and all the things that have gone wrong. And then you finally find them and you're like, "Mm, let's just go home. There's also a subplot in this movie that gets brought up exactly two times. And it is, it is Nora saying, I'm going to Brown, but I might just stay here because I have a job lined up. I need to make a decision by tomorrow because that's how long they're holding my spot. And Nick says, Oh, I'm going to Berkeley for music. That's like an hour away. <clears throat> and then they kind of leave it at that for a little while. And then like 70 minutes later, she's like, you know, I did some more thinking about Brown. It would be kind of nice to know someone only an hour away. And that's kind of it. That's kind of it. Going to college for boys. Gotta love I th- it. I think it was one of I think it was more to establish that she was a senior than Probably. anything else. Yeah. Because that's kind of the because I didn't know how old they were until she said, I'm going to Brown next year. Have you noticed that every single one of these movies has had a scene where there is some dancing? Oh, yeah. Well, because like dancing is like dancing with someone is like the easiest way to show a connection, you know? Uh, yeah. Because it's not it's not like they're going to do a duet. Unless it's no. a karaoke scene. Very but true. like, so I, I, yeah, that makes sense. Also, three of the four of these movies have taken place in New York. I didn't even put that together. That is true. New York, I, Big Apple, City of Love, apparently. Yeah, I th- like, I honestly, I thought it was going to be all of them. But then 10 Things I Hate About You is kind of more small town, Midwest and, vibes. Uh, Virginia isn't for lovers. New York is for lovers. Some might argue Virginia's not for lovers. End of sentence. (laughs) But that's just my personal experience. I have one pet peeve with this movie, and it's not even because of the movie. What's up? So I watched this on Amazon Prime, right? Nora spells her name, or the character's name is spelled 
N-O-R-A, right? It's in the title of the movie. It's Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, right? Amazon Prime, in their captions, spelt her name wrong every single time. Every single time they put an H at the end of her name. And I was like, guys, come on. Bestie, bestie, I've got bad news for you. Hmm. The poster does spell it with an H. What? Nuh-uh. No way. Yep. No way. I'm looking at... I'm uh-uh. looking at it on, on IMDb right now. Hold on. What? Since when? Since when? What? I have to assume since the beginning. No. You got mandela real hard. What? I'm, I I'm looked currently this up like watching, a month ago. <gasps> I'm currently watching a Mandela effect break around you. It's like a circle of salt being like kicked to the side. I'm seeing you get possessed wait, wait, at this hold moment. On. Hold on. I have to go look at my actual, because I own this movie. So hold on. Let me go look. I'll be right back. <laughs> um, While they're gone, apparently this movie is based on a book. And we talked about this when we were, when Alex and I talked about Cuckoo's Nest. Oh Maybe I just think God! books are boring. Because I can't imagine this book being entertaining either. So oh I'm not a big God! fan of like one night books. Uh, let's, we'll get back to the action in a second. Uh, do you, uh, what'd you find out? I'm gonna go cry now. Okay, so kids, remember name name your kids Nora with an H, and no, tell it. Don't do it. It's wrong. It's incorrect. <laughs> uh, hello, Miss Dennings. Uh, I have a complaint for you. I know you didn't write the movie or the book, but I'm gonna need a cameo by Miss Dennings herself to make up for this. <laughs> All right, well, if the fans can fundraise that. Listen, I can afford Neville for my Carly. I don't think I can afford Cat Dennings. I went on Cameo because I was like, oh, I should get Craig one because he got me one. And some of these people... They're so expensive. I'm like, you ain't worth that much. I was like, you're... Two minutes of time is not worth that much money. Like, come on now. Be humble. Like, Some of like y'all need both, to be humble. Like, both Dan and Aaron from the Game Grumps are on Cameo. And they're like $100 for a Cameo. And I'm y'all, like, hey, guys, humble. I love the work you do. Genuinely, watch your stuff almost every day. 40 bucks. Know your lane. <laughs> like, I love, the, I love the really big stars who are like, you know what? I'll do it for 25 bucks. And I'm like, thank you for being humble. And then there's like people who are like C-list people who are charging like $350. And I'm like, y'all. The ones that always catch me off guard are all the football players that do it. Like there'll be football players that charge like $200, $300. And I'm like, are people that invested in like a sports? Yes. It's insane. Like the thing about like uh, film and TV and internet people, it's like you get invested in their lives. Like you learn about them as a person through the characters that they play or the content that they create but like with football it's like i'm not invested in this dude just like personally unless he like saved my fantasy team one year i don't know if that's even how that works but like that being said we're not talking about the movie currently we're talking about cameo sorry guys <laughs> well, welcome to small and tall talks about cameo that would actually be a fun promo as if we just rated celebrities on cameo oh my um, god i agree we should do that just for funsies yeah so um overall this movie it had its charm 
It had its problems. It was cute. It was funny. It was also awkward. And it also featured a two minute throw up scene. Mm. So all things considered, I'm giving it a 6.75. Cute, not quite a seven. I was going to give it a 6.5. Yeah, it's 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 fine. It's it's just a fine movie. And there we have it, y'all. That wraps up our rom-coms episode. Yeah. And like with the Twilight and Tinkerbell episodes, um, we were able to give the entire series a rating. I can't, we guess we can't really do that with this. Mm-mm. I guess, could we give like a genre, like a genre rating? Like, I don't even think so because like there's some rom-coms that we didn't watch that are like way better and there's some that are way worse. So yeah, this was, th- yeah, this was like we said, this was very thematically, you know, New York girl boss kind of (laughs) kind of rom-coms indeed so so so, yeah we're just gonna leave it as is uh up next halloween spooktacular halloween spooktacular so the way what we're doing here is we wanted to get a good mix of like just cozy fall vibes but also spooky movies so we wanted to like find a good balance between the two because i have the heart of a geriatric (laughs) war veteran meaning if i get jump scared more than twice in three months i will die so we cannot do four or five horror movies because then that would be the end of the podcast (laughs) um so we're only doing two yes so so we are doing and we're all, I'm also throwing us another curveball but we'll get to that in a second. Oh. Um so the two scary movies that we're watching is we are watching The Shining and we're also watching The Fourth Kind. And then we're going to get to more kind of just like Halloween October theme. Uh we're also watching Beetlejuice and then we're going to watch Over the Garden Wall. Now I know what you're saying. Over the Garden Wall is a TV show. It's 10 episodes and they're 11 minute episodes. Hey, guess what? That's a movie runtime. If not now, when? If not not now, when? when? So I'm super excited for this. I haven't seen The Shining. I haven't seen any of these things, actually. The fourth kind is the movie that scared my entire family the most. And it didn't even like scare them, scare them while they were watching it. It's just the lasting effects after watching it. So that'll be fun. Which is what I'm afraid of. You're welcome. That's why I'm making you watch it. Which is why we have to watch it together. Because if we don't. I will tell you right now, <laughs> you won't have I'm it. not watching it. Nope. Because I, if you're a devout, if you're a devoted listener to Permanent Good, you will remember the hereditary incident <laughs> where I, o- I almost made it. I, o- here's the thing. I could have made it. I went through, I got no joke, saw the opening frame of that movie and was like, I'm actually too scared to do this. So I bailed, watch a vi- watched a video, read the Wikipedia article and thought I I'd be good enough. I straight up, it was a 40 minute conversation. I made it to minute 35 before I blew my own cover and I could have, I could have gone the last five minutes. Craig walked out of the theater while watching Invisible Man. If that it tells you spooky. anything. It was, it scared me. It was just spooky. The psychological parts of it, ooh, could not handle it. So yeah, so we're watching two horror movies and we're also watching two like October movies. I'm very excited for this. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just, we're going to have a good time over here at small and tall. Uh, is that it? Yeah, that's it for me. All right. 
Thank you for listening to Small and Tall. I'm Bug. I'm Small. And I'm Craig and I'm Tall. And we'll see you next month for our Halloween Spooktacular. Check the episode description for our socials. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices.